Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, mother-daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. Our guest today is Lisa Peacock, and our topic is finding hope in the holidays after the loss of both parents. Lisa Peacock was touched by trauma at a young age. In 1987, at age nine, Lisa suffered from the effects of a plane crash that took her father's life. Then at 19, Lisa suffered the traumatic loss of her mother in a car accident. She dealt with depression, anxiety, guilt, and anger. While coping with her situation, she felt a calling to help others that were suffering from trauma. In 2002, the Peacock Foundation was founded. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Hi. Hi, Lisa. It's great to have you on the show today. You've got such a fabulous name, don't you? (laughs) No, I love it. (laughs) Thanks. It was definitely helpful when I decided to work with animals. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just a a wonderful name. Well, Lisa, we were talking about the holidays. Before we get into your foundation, we're going to go to break in a minute. But before we do, could you talk a little bit about the holidays uh, for you after you lost your mom and dad? And do you have any suggestions for our folks out there who are getting through Christmas and New Year's? Yeah, I I definitely agree with what you were saying. I was trying to think about if I remember things from those first few years after both of um, both of the different accidents. And I have to say the things that that really helped for me personally was taking an old tradition that I remember my parents doing or being involved with and somehow making it a tribute to them. So my mom always loved making cookies. Mm-hmm. for neighbors and friends. And so what I did was I would make cookies, but I'd take them to the homeless. Ah. Um, and so kind of as a tribute to what she she did for me to be able to remember her and, and enjoy that tradition, but change it just a little so that it became something new for me. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's great. And um, and so I think that has been really helpful. It's just trying to keep a little bit of the old tradition so you feel like you're still attached. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, understanding that, you know, it's not going to be the same and trying to force it to be that way is just going to make it almost worse. Mm -hmm. And like you said, making it as a tribute to people that you've loved, to your parents or whoever's died in your life. Exactly. And and then you kind of feel like you're, um, you're honoring them. Yeah, and, and what they yeah, do. Yeah, I love the idea of just taking a, a little different spin on it. Yeah. Do you have anything special you do during the holidays now to remember your parents? Um, you know, I do. Uh, normally, on, on one night that doesn't have any event or anything going on, um, either before or after Christmas, because it depends on all the activities that everyone has going on, I usually like to take a night and I go um, and look at lights. Mm-hmm. Um, with my dog. <laughs> and I just go um, with me and the dog, and I usually find a really beautiful place to go and sit and just kind of remember remember them and think about them and, and um, let myself have that night that I feel like I spend with them. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's um, a, ni- nice, a nice idea of a way to be contemplative and think about the holidays. Yeah, and, and enjoy the beauty of it and... Um, and try and still incorporate them into my life, but um, but not force it. Right. That's great. Sure, our audience wants to hear a little bit about your mother dying and your uh, your dad dying, first in a plane crash. Uh, oh, what a thing. Do you have, did you have brothers or sisters? Or? Um, yeah. I have one older uh, sister. She's three years older than myself. And so um, I was nine and she was 12. 
and um, the holidays actually were big because uh, the plane crash happened in August. Mm-hmm. And so it was right before all the holidays started. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there was a lot of stress and pressure on my mom. That, now, did, uh, did they find your dad, or did, he, did they know where he was? Or? They, they did end up um, finding his body. Was um, it a large plane or small? Or how did it, it was large. It was um, a Northwest. Um, I think it was a 737. Wow. 154 people were killed. Oh, my gosh. Um, the, the whole... Everyone on the plane, except for one little two-year-old girl, wow, um, were uh, they perished? And um, and, and how did they die? Was it um, was it? Pl- uh, did they find out the cause of the crash? It was um, it was actually electrical malfunction with the flaps oh. on the plane. So literally, um, it didn't even make it through takeoff. It got just off the ground, and it um, clipped a building and a light post, and then just crashed on the freeway. Wow, and where was that? In California? Or? In Michigan. In Michigan. It was in Detroit. Wow, that's awful. And um, and so we didn't know until later on that evening because um, we were visiting family in Michigan, and um, so we had dropped my dad off at the airport, you know, the hour and a half before his flight, and then um, we didn't find out until until we turned on the TV when we got back. To my aunt's house later on that evening. And you found out on TV? Yes. Oh, shocking. The news came on, and um, and I remember playing and looking up, and my mom was just no no reaction on her face, staring at the TV, and it was a, a look I hadn't seen before. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then shortly after, um, she watched for a minute or two, she told me to go get my sister because she thought that um, our dad's plane had crashed. Wow. Oh, my goodness. And um, and then it was just kind of a whirlwind. I At nine, I remember not really understanding what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, that I understand the words, you know, that your dad is dead, but I didn't understand the concept. Mm-hmm. The permanence so, of it? Yeah. So I... I realized later, you know, that I had created fantasies and and all sorts of things in my head over the next um, year, visualizing him coming home, Mm -hmm. you know, that that it couldn't be like that. And and so I would would make up stories that no one else ever knew about, um, and and that's how I coped with it. I I didn't want to tell my mom because she was so distraught and upset um, over the loss of, of her husband. And um, so I just kind of kept it to myself. Hmm. And it will be interesting. And then, you know, we could just spend the whole the whole show just on that. <laughs> um, but then you lost your mom at 19 yeah. in an automobile accident. Tell us about that. Yes. I was um, just finishing up my freshman year at Arizona State University. And um, I was studying theater. And so I was doing a, a rehearsal for a show, and when I came back to my dorm room, I'm, I got a call um, from a hospital. Okay. And um, they immediately handed the phone over to a family member who said, you know, your mom has been in an accident. And, and there's something about when you're told that you just know. Mm-hmm. And um, she actually did live for about 22 hours, went through a lot of surgeries, and then um, we went ahead and let, and let her go. 
Wow. So you were you were able to see her at the hospital, unlike yes. your dad. Yes. Um, unlike dad, he just left and never came back. And he, so you never saw his remains. No. Um, my uncle's actually. Uh, one of the things my mom had to carry with her was they took her the day after the crash to the tent with all the body parts and the bodies, mm-hmm. and made her walk through and try and identify him. Oh my goodness! Wow. Luckily, she didn't find him. Uh, um, my uncle went back, and because of dental and because of um, they found his wallet, um, they were able to identify his remains. Wow. So, and, so when uh, your mom died, Lisa, I mean, this is just unbelievable that both of your parents died in car and plane accidents. I mean, just, I mean, you must have been thinking, this can't be happening. I can't lose both parents. I mean, it's not fair. It's not right. Yeah, you know, I, I it really took a lot out of me. It kind of, you know... Um, I didn't really understand what was going on, and, and from a belief perspective, I decided that, you know, this had to be a punishment or, you know, what what else could be happening. And you, you were know. thinking of that when your mother died? Yeah. Uh-huh. When, when when mom died, I was like, this, this doesn't happen. This isn't supposed to happen. Your parents aren't supposed to die, right. you know, at all, oh. let alone 10 years apart in separate accidents, um, you know, that had nothing to do with each other. And, so, uh, yeah, so so you talked a little bit about that you were depressed and anxious and you felt guilt. How did you deal with all that? A, a lot of rage. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and ha- tell us about your rage, because mm-hmm. I, I think it's it sounds fairly positive to me that you were in touch with it. Oh, I had a lot of rage, and I didn't show it to a lot of people um, because I was afraid of how they would react to me. Mm-hmm. And so my rage I would let out on my own. I remember driving. Um, and I would just be screaming at the top of my lungs um, while I was driving, just sobbing and screaming, which probably wasn't the safest choice for anyone who's listening. Um, but I remember just screaming and and yelling. And screaming like, how could this have happened? Why is yeah. this happening to me kind of thing? Just, you know, why is this happening to me? Right. And what's going on? And I don't deserve this. And yeah. how could you leave me? And, mm-hmm. you know, what did I do? Mm-hmm. Just... All of those, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, what's coming up for me, Lisa, is you were such a good girl after your father died. I, that, I really did try, um, try to be. Um, so then when your mother died, it was really. Yeah, I, I just didn't understand what I had done mm-hmm. to deserve this. Right, and, especially because your friend, most of your friends probably have both of their parents. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, most everyone I knew. Um, the nice thing was I did have a, a very good friend in high school um, who, a year before my mother died, uh, her mother died. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did have one friend that had been through a loss mm-hmm. that I could talk to and reach out to because there weren't a lot of people my age or in my life that had been through any sort of loss. Um, and, and I think you're making a really good point for our listeners. Try to find somebody that's mm-hmm. been there to reach out to like you did, Lisa. Yeah, you definitely need someone who you can at least contemplate has some idea of what you're going through. You know, no one's experience is going to be the same, but to to know someone who's gone through at least a loss experience um, and be able to, to talk to them about your, what you're going through, they're going to be able to relate a little better at least. So that gets us, I think, to your foundation, uh, which you set up. I mean, talk to us about the Peacock Foundation, because I think that is part of what you're doing, isn't it? Reaching out to well, traumatized well, and how, kids. How did you get from rage 
to the point where you were able to start a foundation? I mean, what did that mm-hmm. progression look like? I went from rage to just being broken, to just feeling like um, I didn't ever want to be that vulnerable again and that I was so exposed and I just wanted to find a way to um, sew up the damage and make sure it never happened again. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and I think when you go through that much pain, you too must know that you just want it to go away. Mm-hmm. You just have this innate... Plus, you're not, not sure you can live through it. Yeah, that, that if it could just go away for a couple days. And, um, and so when my mom died, um, she had actually uh, set it up for me and my older sister and her and my younger half-sister... Um, because she had gotten remarried and um, and had another child. Mm-hmm. When she died, she was in the middle of a divorce. Um, and so she was looking at a new life as well. And so the four of us girls were going to go to the zoo and spend the night. And after she died, me and my sisters decided we'd still go. Mm. And that's when I kind of got in touch with um, how therapeutic animals can be. Mm-hmm. Just being in this place where I felt like my mom had wanted us to go and um, and how beautiful it was and quiet and having all of the animals present that that just didn't expect anything of you and if you were sad, that was okay, and if you were mad, that was okay. And, and um, so I applied for a job that night. Lisa, I am just you know we did we got a dog after Scott died. In fact, we got two a, a year later. We got another one, and they were very healing. But I have never thought about going to the zoo as a healing. I love <laughs> I know, it. I love that. It's absolutely amazing to think about and that. And to spend the night at the zoo. I didn't even know you could do that actually. Yeah, most zoos actually have an overnight program. Wow. Yeah, and um, and there's just something about being in that natural environment mm-hmm. that makes you feel somewhat closer to people who have passed on. At least for me and some other mm-hmm. people I've talked to, that you know, being out in nature tends to make you feel connected with them. Mm-hmm. Um, now, where was this zoo? It must be a remarkable zoo, too. It is in Phoenix, uh-huh. and um, it's in Tempe, and it's around some small buttes, um, so there's some rocks around you, and you feel kind of um, out of the city, definitely. So then you applied for a job. Applied for a job. You're how old now? 19, I, I was 20? still 19. 19. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I applied for the job, and I got the job, and I worked there for the next three years. And what did you do at the zoo? I did education, so I got to work with children and animals. Very good. And that's where I got to see just how trusting children are to someone who is showing them an animal. Um, Because I would be sitting there showing a snake or um, an opossum or a hedgehog, and I'd be sitting with a group of, you know, six or seven young kids, and, and all of a sudden one of them would talk about, you know, my uh, my brother loved animals, and, you know, I really miss him and wish he was here with us tonight. And you just kind of look at them and go, wow, you know, is is he okay? <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and that's when they would tell you, you know, these stories that I had just met this child, and they're telling me about these traumatic experiences they've had in their life. Um, and just stroking the animal and watching it as they talk to you. Mm-hmm. And just you can feel that there's no anxiety and there's no stress or pressure. They're just letting something out. Just a fabulous experience and, and 
for me, additionally, I found out when I started working there that um, my family had made a huge contribution when my dad died. And so his name was actually written um, in the brick entrance. Oh, my goodness. And did and you know so, that before you started working there? I did not. I did wow, not. I was walking right. in one day, and I looked down, and I was like, what? That's, that's very strange. And so it just kind of felt like my mom had sent us there, and my dad was there, and, and right. that it, it was just supposed to be. But, you know, I, I really do think that there's just something about watching animals and being near them that takes your mind off things. And um, I, just, I, when you talk about it, I can just feel the heat of those little animals, and you right? can feel their hearts. Yeah, and they also, will, you know, will lick you and nuzzle and yeah. give you unconditional love when you need it. Yeah, yeah. And um, a lot of a lot of zoos and zoological societies and aquariums and all that they have something special for the holidays. So. I, I really would encourage. What kind of thing do you have for the holidays there? Do you remember any? Um, yeah, the at, at the two zoos that I've worked at, um, we did light shows. They would put lights up all over the zoo, and they would bring in reindeers, reindeer, reindeer. Wow. <laughs> they would bring in reindeer, and they would have special um, petting zoos and activities for kids, so that it it was really you know a holiday experience. And they'd have hot cocoa and all kinds of stuff um, in the evenings when you normally don't get to go to the zoo. So um, I would encourage people to just look at, look for it and see if it's something that might fit for them. So it sounds like you started healing through your experience with animals. Is that when you started your healing and kind I, of let go of some of your rage? Exactly. I definitely did. Just holding and being around those animals um, in a very safe environment and being able to love, love on them and receive um, some love back just kind of gave me a new hope. Um, I want to say that they were able to kind of bring something back to me that I felt was lost through um, the deaths of my parents. That you know there were things to look forward to, and that um, and that even though my parents weren't there, that that they were still there with me in certain ways. And mm-hmm. so that continuing bonds. I yeah, yeah. And so I think that give, being able to love something. Um, and give to it. You certainly yeah. have to care. And for, take care of it and give to it and nurture it. And, yeah. and could, um, could you tell us, I don't want to run out of time, could no, you yeah. tell us a little bit about your foundation Definitely. and how you got started? Well, um, I moved from uh, Phoenix, Arizona to Los Angeles. When I graduated from Arizona State in 2000, I needed a change. And you graduated in the arts, which is yeah. going to be important because that's going to be part of your math, the things that you do, which I yes. want to get to. I, I graduated with a degree in theater education, so I was very somewhat bonded to working mm-hmm. with um, children um, and trying to do something with them. And, and, so, so, and then so how did you set up the foundation? I, I moved out here, and I just had this... Um, stirring kind of inside of me that I I needed to help people who had been through um, something like what I had been through, you know, that that there was hope out there and that they weren't alone and that if they didn't want to be around people, well, then I was going to take animals Mm -hmm. to be around them and to help them express um, the rage and the anxiety and the emotion that comes with um, trauma. And so... I I met people out in Los Angeles and I talked to them about my ideas and and they were really touched by my story and then also really excited about the possibility of what could happen. Um, and 
So we started up in 2002 getting our um, nonprofit status from the IRS. Mm-hmm. And uh, and once we got that, I started contacting facilities, um, after-school centers in troubled neighborhoods, different um, foster care group homes and residential homes, and um, and really trying to reach out to the kids. Now, at the same time that I started all of that, I went back to school mm-hmm. um, to get my master's in marriage and family therapy because... I had the experience side of it and could understand the emotional side of it, but I wanted to make sure that any of the kids that I worked with, that I really was taking care of them and trying to help them versus possibly doing things that would hurt them mm-hmm. emotionally. And, and um, I think that that's something that um, we really have to take consideration of is that even though we have the experience, it's another thing to have the education, mm-hmm. you know, to be able, able to reach out to people in that very vulnerable state. Well, tell us a little bit about your foundation programs. I'm, I'm interested in you've got, what, four basic methods that you use? Yes. Um, the one that we always start out with is um, the animal um, assisted therapy method, which is we have um, different species, uh, reptiles, amphibians, uh, small mammals, and um, we create programs based around adaptations these animals have and the animal's story in life so that the kids can connect to the animals and hear their story and then learn social and life skills um, through the animal story and through processing the animal. And then you've got the art method, right? Yes. And tell us a little bit about that. And um, so what we do is we want them kids to be able to express themselves, and we understand that they can't do it verbally a lot of times, so we want to give them a way to. So if it's not with animals, then we try art. And, if and then not, I notice you've got clay. And yes, and if it's not with art, we try play. And if it's not with play, we can try drama. No, I meant drama. play with art. Oh. You do drama, the, your drama, drama method too then, right? Yes, yes, we try. Um, we will pretty much try any creative method to help these kids get out And then creative writing. I wanted to cover all these points because um, what struck me about them is how practical they are um, and how I believe that our folks at home could integrate some of those. I mean, you could take your, you could take for yourself, you could go to the zoo, you could do some drawing during the holidays now, some drawing, even yourself or with your family, clay. You could put on a little drama, a little play, and you could do some creative writing. Yeah, there there's so many ways that, you know, you can help children especially get out the emotions and, and the concepts that are in their head through all these different fun activities. You know, I'm, I'm thinking you could take them to the zoo and you could have them either get them some clay and have them do, you know, maybe structure a little animal or you could have them do a little drama about going to the zoo or write about the animals they saw. You know, you could pick any of those things. Oh, completely. And it's do. amazing what the kids come up with and what we come up with. Sometimes they'll just take an animal and they'll write a whole creative story about this animal that has nothing to do with the animal, mm-hmm. but what they're going through. I was going to say, Lisa, they can talk about when animals die and what's that like for them exactly. and how they feel, and they can keep it in the metaphor and talk about their experience, but, but talk about it through the, the animal story. Exactly. What would it be like for the animal to go mm-hmm. through this? You know, the other thing I'm thinking about, if you really had a nice zoo person, you could kind of let them know the, what was going on, and they might be able to talk to their child, too. Definitely. I know that the zoos I've worked with um, and have have met, 
their education department and their volunteer department are very open to giving private tours. Mm-hmm. And if you call up the education department and say, hey, you know, I have a small child or I went through, you know, a death recently. Do you think, you know, someone could walk me around and just talk to me about the animals in your programs? Oh, what a, what a great and idea for the holidays, don't you I think, Heidi? It's a wonderful idea. You could even give your kids a little wrapped gift and inside is a, is a written gift certificate saying we're going to the zoo for a private tour. Yeah. And, you know, I know just the people I worked with, they loved doing that kind of stuff. Could you tell people how to get a hold of your foundation? Um, definitely. There's a, a few different ways you can. You can email me directly at lisa, L-A-S-A, at peacockfoundation.org. Our website is peacockfoundation.org. And, um, and then also you can contact me in the office if you're in California or abroad at 818 818- Seven six three one zero seven two. That's great, and hopefully we will get our link. If we don't look at our blog, we send make sure we get our your link. <laughs> and your, your website, your um, website for the foundation is the peacockfoundation.org, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And it's a lovely uh, website. And the other thing uh, Heidi and I were talking about that's so great about the foundation is that you work with existing programs, right? Yes, we do. One of the things we wanted to do was to offer additional help to programs that were struggling um, to give kids dealing with trauma um, what they needed. And so, so that's what we decided to do was instead of, you know, go out on our own, um, was to really try and help these existing programs. Uh, with that's a great kids. idea. Now, what if I'm in uh, Elyria, Ohio? Can I get in touch with you? Would you give my program some help? I definitely. I work with people all over um, the nation right now, and I've actually had some, um, some people intern with me through other countries. Um, who are interested in doing programs similar to ours, and I'm always, always open to um, to finding ways to working with with you wherever you are. And you're a nonprofit, and so people can donate to the foundation. Yep. Um, yeah, you can donate online to you know if you have a place you know that's really in your heart for animals, you can help the animals that we care for. Um, if you're more attracted to the kids and the programs we do, you can you can sponsor children. That's great. And I noticed you had a, kind of a, a little scale of what it would take to sponsor a child. Yeah. I thought that was really nice. One child, four-week session, $10 a month, and one child, 12-week session, $30 a month. Really, That's amazing. That's not a lot. No, it's certainly not. And then sponsoring uh, one animal for a full year is $200 a month. Yeah. Or is that total 200 to sponsor? Total $200. Oh, my gosh, to sponsor for, year. for a whole year. I know. That's great. And then you've got business sponsorship uh, for 2500 a year and, and business sponsorship gold for 5000 So I hope uh, people will go on if they um, are so inclined to give you a donation from that site because well, and, I think it's wonderful work. Right. And I think, Mom, to add to that, I think giving giving to an organization that's helping others will help you heal also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's one of our, our points with, with the work that we do is we've kind of identified how you can um, encourage yourself to, to build hope, mm-hmm. and, and that's actually the last step that we have is that if you're able to help someone else cope with their trauma, then, then that shows that you have hope within you that things are going to be okay. Uh, that's hope is such an important thing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. That you have enough to give to somebody else shows that you're at least hopeful that helping this person is worth it. That's great. Now, have you got any special plans for the Peacock Foundation for the new year? Um, you know, 
Definitely. We always, uh, we always love trying to expand our services. And so for the new year, we try and at least, um, bring in one more facility that we're going to be working with each year because we want to just keep growing and reaching more people and being able to help more animals and more kids and more families. Great. And, uh, and so our goal each year is to, is to work with at least, at least one more facility. Oh, that's great to have that kind of a goal. It's kind of like our goal for the show for the year, right, Heidi, for mm-hmm. the new year? Absolutely. To see if we can increase our listenership. Reach for more the listeners and reach more people out there that need us. Right. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. have people uh, come onto the grief blog and, and continue to have things grow and the word of mouth getting around about hope and help and uh, possibilities for the future during this new year. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Now, what about volunteer partnership options? Is that what we were talking about, where people can give yeah. money, or can they actually do they actually volunteer with you in the Phoenix area? We actually also do have um, volunteer programs uh, here in Los Angeles, Los Angeles, Orange County, and then um, in through Phoenix. I do work with volunteers to come out and help with the programs and work with the kids, as well as um, the animals, and so. We definitely are always open because I know how good it feels um, to be able to offer yourself to somebody else in the midst of your trauma. And so we want to make sure that, that we're also allowing people to heal through giving. You know, I was thinking, I bet you any zoo in the United States would love a volunteer. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. The zoos are always, always looking for more volunteers to, to come in. Um, and they're half of what makes the zoo fun mm-hmm. is um, is the people that actually help out just because they enjoy it there. Mm-hmm. Now, do you have any special New Year's plans yourself or for the foundation on New Year's? Are you going to have any kind of a special celebration? Or? Well, the animals animals all get a, speci- a special little treat. <laughs> they all fun. they all get a special meal on New Year's <laughs> to you know to work out the new holiday season and start the year off really good. And um, and so we do do kind of a special little um, little day for the animals on New Year's Day. It's now, what's your what's your most unusual animal? Um, probably we have an animal called a skink, and it's a lizard from Australia. Uh-huh. Um, That's probably our most unusual that the most most people haven't seen. Um, Chinchillas are pretty popular now, and we have you know rats and guinea pigs and dogs and snakes and. So probably that skink would be. Now, what will they be eating for their special meal? <laughs> well, um, the skinks. The skinks for their special meal, they actually um, are meat eaters. Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they'll get some steak, mm. uh, which is a very big treat for them because most of the time they eat dog food. <laughs> yeah. so. Now, where do you keep these animals? Um, we built an animal care center. And um, and so they're all housed within this one facility that we we built especially for the animals. And um, we had organizations that were wonderful in donating um, furniture and um, aquariums and lighting and all sorts of things for it. Well, Lisa, it's time for us to close the show, and I just want to say you are such an inspiration. You are. You, you really are. are to what one person can do. Well, thank you. I think everybody has it in them to make it through, and you just have to find which way works best for you. And, you know, I think, Lisa, one of the things Heidi and I talk about sometimes is that when we've been through the rough times, we have kind of the courage to, yeah. to try something new. Yeah, I definitely would agree. Yeah. 
Well, do you have something you'd like to say to our audience before we close? I would just say hang in there. This is These are the hardest times, and just remember, each day is going to get a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there are people out there waiting to help you, so just keep your eyes open. Oh, thank you, Lisa. That's, That's a great. wonderful thought to end on. And we want to wish our audience a happy new year and a happy and a safe new year. You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.